Hey, this is Rob. This is episode 127 of the Folly Coffee Podcast. Let's get it brewing. I am here with Vince Lapalooza of Fresh Steeps Tea and also host of the Optimized podcast. I do love a good pun, so I was a big fan of that one. Thank you. Uh, you want to get the microphone a little close to your face. These things yeah. are really directional. You can pull it right to your face if you want. Oh, yeah. Right off the bat, brought samples. Love it. Anyone oh. that talks to me about, like, what's the number one thing when you're trying to get someone to like your product that like, you're selling to someone or anything, I go, well... Do you have the opportunity for them to taste it? And the way we met is also, I was like, okay, I, I want to meet this guy. I want to I, I know what this guy's about because I'm sitting outside uh, Minneapolis Boxing Club about to walk in for my weekly session. Happens to be right across from Big Watt where Brandon works during the week. Uh, Brandon, my business partner at Filterra. And so he's like, oh, what's up? So we're just talking in the parking lot. Then this guy with glorious long hair walks over. He's like, hey, do you guys work at this gym? I'm like, oh, no. You're like, oh, well, you know, I have a, a line of teas and I'm just going to meet local gym owners and like fitness enthusiasts. And I was just wondering if you knew anybody. And I was like, no, but we're both in coffee. We yeah. were actually just talking about it. You had samples on you. I was like, I like it. The in-person sales call with samples ready to go. So I'm excited to have you on. Excited to talk about just Fresh Steeps tea. We already met once for coffee. So some of it will be kind of a refresher for me, but for oh, the yeah. listeners as well. Heck yeah. So let's start. With the teas that you have here, because I don't want to sit this entire episode and be looking oh, at no. these and not know what I'm looking at right here. Of course. No, this is the, I mean, so on my podcast, I always got a, the first thing I always ask is what the person's drinking, because it's always like a tea, you know, I, I want to start it with tea, and I like to enjoy tea, and tea's a very communal and, yeah, it's a very communal um, just thing and act, like where you you brew the tea for the person, especially as like a tea master, you brew it for the person. It's a full on process that you do. So that's why on my podcast, I always like to simulate as much as I can. Like I, I was telling you earlier, it's a lot of my podcasts are remote, so it's challenging, but here we are today. Perfect so, way to start then. Yeah. So I actually have three different kinds, even though I have two, this is two of the same. So if you want this one, that one's the fancier one that I actually don't offer. That's not a Fresh Steeps product. This is something that is an in-season tea. So there are seasons, um, if you've heard of flushes, have you heard mm -hmm. of, okay. So when it comes to tea, there will be like yeah. as dumb as you can get with Beautiful. me, there will be nothing where I'd be like, okay, you're pandering to me. I, I know for as much as I know about coffee, I know almost nothing about tea outside of like the basic varieties. Yeah. So, so that one is what's called the first flush Darjeeling tea. And so it's actually a black tea, which is not common because or which is not like the the typical common um color as you, as you can see these are the same thing i was going to choose you oh oh no, we're no. drinking out of these okay cool oh, yeah yeah this one i brought a little yeah, yeah i was gonna say it's a black tea but i was it's like black but, tea, it's, but, it's, but it's not it's not because i also cold brewed this one oh. so i've never had this one cold brewed so this is my first time actually with this as well well cheers cheers and so going back to what this is so first flush just means it was basically harvested in the spring there's first flush, second flush, and third flush. Winter would technically be fourth flush, but you don't really get that. Um, and so this is a first flush Darjeeling, which means it comes from Darjeeling. It's a black tea. Like I said, it's very light, and because it's a first flush, it gives it, it's a young leaf, and it gives it a very sweet, floral, and just light flavor. Whereas if you go deeper into the flushes, you get a more bold, robust flavor out of the tea. 
So I personally love this. I think when you cold brew it, it makes it almost taste like a champagne. It's like a very light and just delicate tea. Yeah, the aromatics are so intense on it, and yet the flavor is, it does have that sweetness, but it's very kind of subtle sweetness, because like, I think sometimes with coffee, when you're talking about sweetness, it's a very intense, very like bold flavor, and some of the yeah. finer tasting notes with coffees kind of disappear, whereas with tea, as little as I know about it, the tea tastings I have done, you tend to notice these more delicate flavors come through because it doesn't have the aggressiveness of the roasting process in the same way that a coffee bean does, I think. Yes, no, exactly, exactly. And so it's like, it's funny because like the tea that I'm pouring here now is almost like the exact opposite because like I did do a quote unquote roast or like a long, actually what we call decoction in the tea industry. And it's basically like a long simmer. So for this one, I actually did 30 minutes of you bring the water to a boil with the tea leaves in it, and then you simmer it for 30 minutes. It could go even longer. I just did 30 minutes on this one. So if you want to try this one, this is actually my blend now. So this is the Chai okay. Cleanse blend. Uh, it's got a Pu'er tea base, which I can explain what that is. Pu'er tea, dandelion root, ashwagandha, um, ginger. Uh, I already said dandelion root. Ginger, clove, and cinnamon. Oh, that is good. Like, I love what you can tell something to me when it comes to tea, because my perception of tea in general is obviously most of it's your simple bottled stuff or your Mm -hmm. pouches that you get at the grocery store. And with flavors like chai or ginger or some of these flavors, they end up being really sweet when you yeah. kind of buy the one that, ones that are mass produced. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me that like that spiciness that you get with that one, like the bite of it, you can tell like the actual ingredients are being used and not just being overly sweetened. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So and that's why I, I the, man, there's, there's a lot that I could talk about, like with, with the whole decoction process, like the reason that you, I do that for like this tea is to extract like out of like, so dandelion root, ashwagandha root, ginger root, and cinnamon bark they're very sturdy like hard to break into type herbs so if you did a normal steep on that you're not going to get as much of the flavor like that spiciness that you kind of have that hits you in the back of the throat that's like the ginger that's coming out and then you get the like kind of bitterness and the earthiness to it that's the dandelion root and the ashwagandha and you get a little bit of the clove and then the cinnamon just lingers somewhere creepily in the back yeah and i'm sure a lot of this will come out as we talk about fresh steeps but based on our conversation i know that the functionality of tea is a big part of what got you into it right when you're creating a blend and like i said i think a lot of this will come up kind of as we're talking about your brand Mm -hmm. and what the idea is behind it but how much of a balance is there between like the functionality of the blends you're creating versus the flavor because with coffee the functionality across all beans are virtually the same Mm -hmm. versus the flavor is what we're entirely focused on so we're selecting coffees based purely on flavor because the functionality is fairly similar across coffee and there's gonna be someone listening that's like no it's not dark it's just this or that but you're like our goal is just to bring out the best flavors and find the coffees with the best flavor but with the range of kind of herbs and teas that you can use the functionality can be wildly different based on what you're going for. So how much are you balancing flavor versus functionality? It's it's hard to really say exactly a percentage. I mean, I feel like it's a 50-50 split for for me. I know a lot of people a lot of people in the tea industry do just target the flavor. Um for me, I've found that one there's the functions actually a lot of times these herbs 
that taste the the taste that combines super well also have kind of similar functions. It's weird how that works just naturally. And also that's the same way that you're going to want to steep these herbs or decoct them or something like that. And so what I've found is just by going through this process, like I said, with, with this, with the chai cleanse that I have here that we're trying right now, all of these teas or all these herbs are, they want to be like long simmered. The puer tea, which is super unique because it's a fermented black tea. Now it doesn't have to be black tea. It can be a fermented green tea, white tea, oolong, whatever. This one that I have is a fermented black tea. But what happens when you steep tea typically for past like five minutes, it gets extremely astringent. So like kind of almost sour tasting and it can leave your mouth really dry. Now, what happens when you do it with this, with this puer tea is when you steep for a long time, it actually becomes sweeter and almost chocolatey to a little, little extent. And like, that's why i purposefully put it with dandelion root, ashwagandha, for those same reasons that we already talked about. So I really tailor each and every one of my, my blends of the five blends, like to think about, okay, what is like the full process of this? Like, why do I want to drink it? But then also, how am I going to like steep it? What's the best way of steeping it? Okay. Does this herb match up with this steeping process? As long as that, like, does that, make, does that make sense? Yeah. No, yeah. it makes complete sense. And those yeah. were some of the notes I'm getting out of kind of like, not so much like milk chocolate, but like cocoa, almost like cocoa nibs and working really well mm-hmm. with the cinnamon and that ginger, which is a very intense flavor, but only hitting you at the back of the throat as opposed to overpowering it. So right. it's clear to me that it's like, okay, there's some clear intention in the flavor of this because I've had, you know, I, I've I've been through like every... I just got made fun of for using this phrase, but deep dive. When I taste something or I learn about something, I go on like weird deep dives about yeah. something. Fitness, health. I've done every deep dive when it comes to diet, fitness, yeah. learning functionality of different. So like mushrooms are a great example that like mm. certain mushrooms you go, oh, the functionality of this seems to be great. But tasting this is mm-hmm. miserable. Mm-hmm. And you just go like to the point that I would get almost ill from some of the ones that I tried where I go, this is just so bad that my body's trying to reject it because the taste of it is saying, this is so bad that you should not be putting this in your body. Mm -hmm. Then you feel great after and you're like, oh, there's got to be a better way to do this. And then you find people that are like purely focused on taste Mm -hmm. and you start to find the balance between the two. Okay, how can I get functionality out of these things versus just something that tastes good? Because the things that seem to only taste good are you look at the label and you go, well, this is worse for me in the end. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's a, and honestly, like I said, I see that just across the industry where the flavor and that is being a business owner, flavor is going to sell. And then the functionality is my, it's my job to educate about the functionality kind of afterwards. You're not going to, I'm not going to get as many people to buy into something that doesn't taste good, but they know it's like working for them. I'd rather it tastes good. And then they realize like, Oh my gosh, now I, it also helps with digestion Oh, sweet. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's just a a plus to it. Like I want people to be like, this is good. What is it doing for me? And then it's like, oh, that's just reinforcing. Now they're, they're sold basically on it. So let's go back to the beginning, the kind of the story you told me about how you got into tea in the first place. Yeah. So usually with this podcast, it's go go back to the beginning of your coffee story. But in this case, it's going to be tea. So what was the first point where you started kind of getting your fix with tea and that led yeah. to this obsession you have now? Yeah. So I, I apologize because there will be a little trash talk about coffee in this story, but it's okay. 
We're, uh, it's I, okay. It's easy to punch up when you're looking at the best. <laughs> you, you, it's yeah, I encourage. It. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I will be the first to admit, I I enjoy occasional cup of coffee every once in a while. The flavor's delicious now. Now that I'm you're, used you're to good. It. I'm not yeah. good. <laughs> I have zero ego <laughs> tied to coffee. I'm not going to leave here going. I hate this guy because he yeah. personally doesn't like the thing that I'm obsessed with. I'm very well aware of my obsession and your obsession for mm. that matter to the general population. They're like, I don't understand why you care so much about this thing that right. maybe I drink uh, every day. Yep. And to me, I go, well, how can you not think about something that you're drinking every day? Anyway, continue. <laughs> I, I agree. And just a quick last minute note on that. It's like when people, they always apologize to me. They're like, I'm sorry. I just don't like tea. I'm like, you're the worst person alive. Like, no, it's okay. I don't, I don't care. I, I'm not a coffee drinker. My go-to line for that is go, oh, no, it's okay. It's just, it's just my life's work. It's yeah. not that big of a deal. I love it. I love it. But, yeah, okay, so we'll get, we'll get to the story. So my tea journey begins back in high school. Um, I was involved with football and wrestling primarily, a little bit of lacrosse, but then I, I gave that up to pursue the football and wrestling career that ended after high school. But um, – yeah, so with people who have played sports in their, um, in their at least just for high school, college, like you, you know, it's pretty taxing. And the the coaches they they want you in before school before, for practice. Sometimes they even had us doing lifts during or during school, and then after school we had of course our normal practices. And after a while, like kind of around sophomore junior year, it was just kind of catching up with me. And I'll take a a, a little step back and say like. I knew nothing about like health at that point. I was eating whatever my parents were providing and they didn't, they're not like health connoisseurs or anything like that. So really I was just kind of mucking my way through it. I knew I had to be at these practices. So, you know, you made it work. Like you, even though I was like down on energy until like 20 minutes in cool, whatever made it work. Um, so I was kind of expressing this frustration to my parents and I did try pre-workout because it's ready, readily available in the locker rooms. Mm-hmm. It was miserable. I felt terrible after that. I actually had to stop a workout. I, th- I think we just found our parting of the journeys <laughs> as to why you might go with tea and I might go with coffee. I yes. tried pre-workout. I was like, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened. Yeah. I, I stopped using it in college because even I was like, my nervous system is getting fried. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely fried. And yeah, so it took me two times with C4 and I was like, okay. Which I'm pretty sure is We're... no longer allowed to be on the market. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm done with that. And so I was just, like I said, I was expressing this frustration to my parents and my mom of all people, cause she's not a tea drinker. I've, I would say I'm actually the one who got her more into tea, but she was like, I think we got green tea in like the cupboard. I think, and I think that has caffeine. Why not try that tomorrow? I'm like, okay, cool. I will. So I did. And I mean, the green tea that we had was just probably 10 year plus old green tea bags that yeah. were like, I don't know. Lipton, li- yeah, probably. Lipton, <laughs> yeah. yeah, just some trash. And I tried it and it made me feel really good, but it tasted miserable. It was just really, really horrible tasting. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, I can kind of get over the taste. Like I had a little bit of honey. I'm like, I can get over this, but because of the functionalities there. Cool. Awesome. Great. So I, that was like what I started just doing. Like every morning, my routine was a little bit of breakfast with my tea. I'd bring my tea. I'd just put the tea bag in like a cup to go and I'd just sip on it throughout like my workouts, kind of like as my pre-workout, but also through the workouts and then through the, the school day until I was done with it. And that was like 
what got me started. And I pretty much did that until or through college. Even I, in college, I started to expand into matcha, which is like a powdered green tea. So that was like, ooh, like next little upgrade, because that was also when it was starting to become super popular. And really, I was just like, okay, this is my this is tea. This is what I do. I kind of even started incorporating a little herbs to it. So I'd add like turmeric and ginger to the tea sometimes more for the functionality because I had heard that they're good for inflammation, stuff like that. Uh, awesome. Great. So up until about like 2019, that's my journey. So that starts, a, I don't even know what year that is, but when I'm like a sophomore in, in high school to 2019. Oh, I thought you meant 2019, you're a sophomore in high school. I was like, wait, how old are you? <laughs> yeah, I was no. like, you're not aging well, dude. <laughs> yeah. That would not look good for the tea industry. <laughs> I'm 17. Uh, what do you mean? Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. Um, no, so then in 2019, I just had one of those little existential crises where I was realizing I'm like, well, so what gave what put me into this existential crisis, I lost a friend of mine he, at 25 years old. My brother got diagnosed with cancer at that time. He is cancer-free now at this point. And... There was just, yeah, and then work, they fired a guy in work so at my job, so I took over the full territory, which was Minnesota, and so I was driving now 10 extra, 15 extra hours a week, and I was just like, I don't love where I'm at, and also I could die tomorrow, like I just really don't know. So I was like, okay, I like took some, I took an opportunity, I like wrote down like my top 10 favorite things that I do every day, every week, whatever, things that just bring me energy, and I was like, I drink this thing every single day. And I know nothing about it. So let's explore a little bit about it. And the, I remember I started like doing my Google research about tea. And the first thing I see is that all tea comes from the same plant. So if you see green tea, black tea, oolong, white, puer, those all come from the same plant. The different flavors come from the post-harvesting processing as well as like where it's grown. And at that point, I realized I'm like, I know nothing hmm. about this plant. And therefore... I'm so intrigued now. Like you said, I was like, I need to go into a deep dive. I also then was like, okay, on a business aspect, I'm like, I want to do something. I mean, I was planning, so this is end of 2019. I was planning, my lease came up in 20, in August, October of 2020. My lease was up. I'm like, at that point, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to pack up, move home for two months. And then I'm going to go to either Europe or Asia and just figure it out. And so I was like, well, what can I do remotely? I was like, a blog. Great. So I started blogging about tea. Awesome. Started learning all about tea that way. And then 2020 happens. You know, COVID kind of shuts everything down, kind of puts a little halt on my on my plans. And really, the blog, I also in that point realized, I'm like, blogging's not my thing. I just don't love sitting in like my house and just typing away turned into the podcast into optimized at that point it was actually called the t migos podcast but (laughs) good name change (laughs) but we switched it it's called optimized now and yeah and then it just developed and then literally three months ago I, i i made these products back in probably a year ago is like when i started developing my actual tea blends because people just kept asking me about it because obviously I'm starting an Instagram, starting social media presence with like just talking about tea constantly, starting a blog. They're like, so are you selling tea? Like, no, they're like, you should be (laughs) like, why aren't you? And so I was like, okay. So I started making them last year and three months ago is when I officially launched and it was, yeah, just a, just a crazy step. And 
I don't know. It's been wild really since. No, and it's it's interesting how it. It's, it's very easy to get into a routine and just be like, this is what my life is. And, you know, I ha- this is my job. And, mm-hmm. oh, I have the whole state. I'm driving 15 extra hours. Oh, well, that's just life. That's mm-hmm. just how things are. And this is just how things go. And it does take kind of down times. And it takes sometimes horrible things happening to shake things up and make you actually take a step back and be like, wait, why is this my life? Why am I doing this? Is this... And a little bit of that perspective of like, there's always excuses why not to do something, but it sometimes takes a major shakeup to go, well, why don't I just do something else? And that's as simple as it gets. Because what what we're both doing is inherently kind of stupid. I'm (laughs) sure when you told people that I'm going to launch a tea company, they're like, well, you know, there's lots of teas out there, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you get this question a thousand times every time you pitch, well, what makes yours different? Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think people think to start a business, you need to have an insane revolutionary idea that's going to shake up a major industry. It's going to change radically how things are done. It's going to alter people's perceptions on what they know about an industry or a product or a way of doing something. Yeah. When in reality, if you're insanely passionate about something and you can find a way to make that work, it does create that creative entrepreneurship side Mm -hmm. of finding creative sales strategies, of finding creative marketing strategies, where, of course, you need to have an absolutely amazing product to even get a foot in the door. Mm -hmm. But often the simple answer, and I've learned that from this podcast as well, is like, what was the first step? Well, I just started doing it. I have a passion for a product. I have a a passion for, in this case, tea. I'm just going to start doing it. And there will be, you know, three months in, it's going to be a while before people go, okay, this isn't stupid anymore. Mm -hmm. It takes, I mean, literally for me, it was probably last August when we launched in Target, when people were like, oh, so this thing you're doing is like, uh, (laughs) it's like a real thing, huh? And I'm like, that is... Weirdly offensive, yeah. but yes, thank you. Yes, Super it is. Yeah. <laughs> but doing it for four years, but yeah, no, it is now a real thing because we're associated with another brand that you know. Yeah. But th- that's kind of, I, I, it seems to me you gain perspective from moments like that is what I'm trying to get at. Because not that our experiences were similar in that regard of the things that you went through, but it took something in my life to sit back and go like, is this what I want my life to be? Even though inherently it wasn't bad. Like things were, you know, surface level, things were really good, Mm -hmm. but there was that extra level of like, you know, I'm 25 at the time that it's like, is this what I want to continue doing and just stay along this path? Or should I try something? Yeah. And not to get too deep, but like, you start reading books and you, I don't know if you did this. I'm going to take a wild guess and say you did. When you're going through this time, you start kind of seeking other people's opinions on the matter. hundred percent. And the best way is yeah. books, whether it's business books, philosophy yeah. books, uh, just trying to gain perspective through uh, like the collective shared experience. Yeah. And one of the most interesting things I read about is like, what are the biggest regrets that people have on their deathbed? Super dark. It's, no, but, but like, it's, it's really motivating at the same I, time. I don't know if anybody's going to be more honest at any point in their life than right. when they're on their deathbed. Right. And the biggest regrets were always, I didn't spend more time with friends and family. I focused too much on work. Uh, the things that you hear that you go, well, I, I kind of know that, but like, I'm just going to do this for now and do that later. Mm-hmm. But one of the biggest ones is that I never took a, a major risk. Yeah. That 
there was something, I had an idea at one point, or just maybe I didn't have an idea, but I just always wanted to do something, and I didn't. Yeah. And that was kind of what happened to me, too. I go, well, worst-case scenario, this thing fails. I'll probably learn a ton and get out of it and be able to have really good perspective yeah. on the other side and know what works, what doesn't, and I'll probably meet some really cool people along the way. Yeah, I mean, wh- one of the things that arguably – Again, from the outside perspective, looking in, I think people would agree that this is one of the stupidest things I've done. Yeah. Was I quit my job before even launching the tea products. I wasn't even bringing any any money. <laughs> and then I just quit my job. And honestly, I just told them, I'm like, well, I built up a fund. We're just going to we're just gonna see what happens in six months. I'm like, worst case scenario, six months from now, I'm like, I got a good degree. I have a chemical engineering degree. I'm not worried that I'm not going to get a job. If I really am strapped for money, I will make it work. But I'm like, the worst case scenario, in six months from now, I'll probably have like an MBA because like I'm just going to really understand how to make a business work or understand like the little like the little details of a business and the stress of not bringing in money is going to also give me a kick in the ass to really push forward. So, yeah, I mean, it's funny when people look at that. And I mean, I even looked at it. I'm like, this is an ideal, really. But like, we're just going to fail forward, really, at this point. I'm just going to make it work because... Like you said, I'm passionate about it. So you're, you're writing this blog. Uh, 2020 hits. You Had you already left your job at this point in 2020? No. Okay, so you left your job in 2020. No, 20, literally this six months. What, what is it? It's June. Oh, six so yeah, ago. you launched three months ago. So this entire time, are you kind of keeping up this blog through 2020 yep. into 2022? And then, and then you're like, you know, this is good. It's an, it's, I'm imagine, and I know from blogging stuff as well. It's like, it's a great way to learn something when you go, you know, oh, the best 100%. way to learn is to teach. Mm-hmm. And so you're learning through this entire process. Is that how you gained your knowledge of teas is like through that blogging process or how did you go about learning what you felt was the necessary amount to say, I feel confident in my knowledge and ability to be able yeah. to create a great product. Cause that's one thing that I think, especially in the food industry, food beverage industry gets overlooked sometimes mm-hmm. is they go, I'm going to start the company, learn on the fly how to do it. Yeah. But every person that tasted along the way is tasting your kind of experimentation along yeah. the way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was for me, I would study quote unquote study. So Google and, or read, I had a few books like about herbalism, about tea, and I would literally discover a new tea for me and I would go and order it. I would just look up online. Where can I get this tea? Great. Order it, have it, have it sent to my house. And then I would just like sit with the tea. So I would do typically like little week long experiments where I would drink nothing but this tea for a week and just see how I behave with it, how, what it does to my body, what are, and like, is this aligned with what I'm reading online? Cause if so, or am I reading in books? Because if so, then okay. Through deductive reasoning, I'm like, I can say that this is probably going to happen for the majority of people. If people are talking about it online in books, wherever on podcasts, cool, great. So it would always start by like just Googling things. And even like, it would start with like the functionality really mostly it's like a tea for this cool awesome well do i have it no do i need it uh, let's go buy it and then i'd experiment see what the heck it did and is sometimes teas would not sit well with me other times they would and like people would like talk about like yeah i had this side effect too like this and that and yeah it really was just a lot of just trial and error and it's still what i'm doing i still learn about a new herb like especially the world the world of herbalism there are so 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 many herbs i mean you talked about mushrooms there's 
countless mushrooms out there that we can talk about but then there's also just so many different types of herbs and i'm still learning about a new one and when i do i either go to a local herb shop here or i order it online and then i'll like i said i'll do the same process and then if it really really is an amazing herb it's like okay i'm going to try and work this into a product at some point and then i kind of just have like i mean i i'm always coming up with new products in my mind already even though like I got my foundational five. It's gonna, I already have the ideas of, of the new ones, but yeah, it's really just about the experiment. And then once I kind of do that, then I whip up a batch and I sample it. I give it to people. Like, what do you think? Tell me about this. Like, what's your experience? I, I bring guys over to and like have tea at my house. I have like little tea parties at my house. I'm like, but it's also like for me, focus groups. <laughs> like I just like, hey, if you want free tea, you want to just come hang out? Cool, awesome. Also, tell me what you think, <laughs> and if people like it, great. As you're building the brand and kind of how you want to market it and communicate to customers and envisioning who your potential customers were, will mm-hmm. be, how will you reach them? How will they buy it? Where will they buy it? What were the ideas you laid out? And I know it's only been a few months, but what are you? realizing about that because i think that's the fun thing about having you in three months in Mm because i have the full range of people on here people that you go they've been doing it for 20 years and their knowledge is insane Mm -hmm. but i think sometimes you can't find people that just started and just a few months in i'm sure you're already kind of realizing assumptions you had that aren't true and then things you didn't know that are already proving valuable yeah that was one of the most valuable things that I ever did. And this was actually, I, I hired a podcasting coach because literally I would say six months, actually a year ago, I thought podcasting was going to be my, my full time thing that I was going to be doing still. Um, not really the product. So that's why I actually sat on the products for a little, a little while, but one of the most influential things was to actually go out and talk with the, the listeners of my podcast. Like, so I, I made a mass message and I'm like, Hey, I'm just. Go, I'm looking for 20 people I can just interview and ask you what you're looking for, basically in not only a podcast because that was my product at the time, but also like a tea and stuff like that. Because a lot of it, because it's a podcast about tea, a lot of it carries over. So when I did that, it really, really like cleared a lot of weeds of what the heck I'm doing, like where I'm going. So for people who are thinking of getting started it's like if you ever have an idea talk with who you think might be your potential audience because you'll realize a you'll start to find the people who don't align with you and great now you know that you keep that in your back pocket you're like okay that type of person is not my target audience now all of a sudden you like talk with three people and they're like okay i'm seeing a pattern i like that you find more people like them and then you get like 10 people and they're like your true fans. Like now, now you're really targeting them. And so for me, what that is, is, and, and I, I, it also made sense because I'm like, the reason I started drinking tea was for athletic performance. So that's now what the fresh steeps brand is targeting is athletic performance, longevity, and recovery. And tea has a lot of that, like the longevity aspect of it. You look into the cultures that drink the heaviest amount of tea They have really longevity. They have longevity basically built into their genes Um, as well as just the performance now aspect is something that's a little different. So what I've basically now just 
gone and done is this is how we met is literally I'm just like, okay, I think I want to break into the athletic space also because I felt like tea and athletes aren't always thought of immediately. Like that's not really like there's a gap there. And I'm like, if I can somehow bridge that gap in any way, then that's amazing. Then that's awesome. Like I think that there's just a lot of power there in starting that conversation, at least starting that thought process. And so that's why I'm now just going around and doing exactly like how we met, just giving out samples, letting people sample to try the tea. And I just bring growlers. I mean, I got an event tomorrow night where it's with Lululemon and Embrace North. And I'm just going to be there. They're doing a workout. I have cold brew tea afterwards. Just to start like the, the process of like, hey, some of these herbs, they can do some of these things that like we want as athletes like they can help with recovery there's some really cool uh, science or research studies out there that show that like combination of like creatine plus astragalus root which is in actually this this red one that we haven't tried yet um that's my immunity blend they can actually boost a little bit of like recovery from after a workout cool awesome that's that's great and so just like stuff like that is really blown my mind and when I tell people I see kind of like the the glimmer in their eye like oh that's interesting and they want to know more and so that's where I'm targeting now will it develop and will it and when I say athletes it's like is it all athletes probably not you're probably I'm probably not going to be targeting like American football players now soccer like there's actually a heavy tea drinking in in soccer which kind of makes sense or martial arts which I do jujitsu so it's like there's that's kind of the martial arts and tea is also kind of a nice, you know, combination. Um, stuff like that. Does that make Yeah. Yeah, and I think the there does seem to be a movement within health and wellness that the definition of athlete has changed. It used to be like, do you mm-hmm. do it professionally? Did you play in college? You know, somebody might be embarrassed, but, well, I just was in high school, so I'm not really an athlete. But yeah. now with the different popularities of all different types of exercises becoming popular, whether you see, obviously, they're not doing so hot as of late, but like Peloton exploding over COVID or things mm-hmm. like uh, CrossFit, obviously, being a huge national sport or exercise, depending on what you want to call it. Yeah. And it's making people think more about their health. And it seems to me that there there are different factions of health and wellness. You've got people that are pure aesthetic. They're like, I I will do and put in my body whatever it takes to just look the best. And then there's the other side, which seems to be coming more popular, as I've noticed. And even with myself, as I age, that I'm like, I care less about like, am I just lifting for aesthetic or lifting for health purposes, but also like, what does it take to recover properly? And then as I age, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able to keep up the same type of lifting I was doing when I was playing football at 22, I'd be dead. Yeah. And so what can I do to continue that strength training is great, but how can I change that? And it's changed whether it's incorporating yoga or doing like, like I do boxing once a week. So I like to vary up what I do and people seem to be more interested in recovery than I've noticed ever before. Mm -hmm. Recovery, not only when it comes to athletic recovery, but also just as you age, like how do you make it so that that happens more gracefully? And what can I change about my daily habits? And what am I putting into my body that, you know, I was thinking about this the other day that it's crazy how many foods out there say made with real ingredients. (laughs) And you're like, 
it's weird we've gotten ourselves to a point yeah. in society where the company right. using real ingredients goes, we should market this, yeah, that this exactly. isn't fake ingredients. And I think people are starting to pay more attention to that. And yeah. so to be able to find a combination of the two, mm-hmm. that people are paying more attention to what putting their what they're putting in their body, there's increasing popularities of, I don't know if you call them alter- alternative athletics, but yeah. I you also look at athleisure, and I'm rambling at this point, but like you look at athleisure, mm-hmm. when you look at like yoga pants, Mm-hmm. 15 years ago, you go, these are pants for yoga. Yes. Now, it's one of the most popular fashion accessories, and people wear athleisure to do all sorts of activities. Yeah. So when you can kind of focus on one specific niche, yoga pants, all of a sudden they go, oh, these pants are great for a lot more than just yoga. Mm-hmm. How can you do that in the tea world? That you can find these niche people, those loyal fans you're talking about, that they they are probably the people in their friend groups that their friends go to. And what do you do? What are you eating? What are you drinking? Like why do you why do you look so good? Why do you yeah. feel so good? These are the types of people you want to adopt your product early. And it sounds like that's what you're doing. Yeah. And to back to what what you said earlier about the reaching out to people that were already listening about what are they looking for. Mm-hmm. One thing that helps avoid, in my opinion, is. I think one benefit I had and one benefit you might have is I didn't come from a professional coffee background. I had very few preconceived notions Mm -hmm. about what folly should be. And what that created is I didn't have any attachment to feedback. Yeah. I, I do see people, whether it's in coffee or other categories that they create their product, they go, this is the finished product. It's perfect. Then they go to market and people go, I don't like it, and here's why. Mm -hmm. And then you're spending your time defending your product. You're not going to attract customers defending your product if they give you feedback and you're like, you're wrong, here's why you're dumb, (laughs) versus going to customers and be like, do you like it? If not, why not? And be able to learn as you're going along. Because I think that's an important thing to know is to know that it's like never truly a finished product. Mm -hmm. The branding can be finished at some point, but even that has to be refreshed at some point. But like yeah. in terms of how you do things, that should be constantly shifting with the goal of making your customers happier or just improving process as you go. Yeah. So your core products that you release, first of all, let's crack yeah, open let's this crack, red yeah, yeah. bottle. I'm, I've been side-eyeing it side. the entire time we've been going here, but I'll continue. As you're, defe- uh, as you're developing like your flagship products here, Let's get that last kick of ginger out of there. As you're developing your core products, how did you decide on the ones that are going to be kind of your flagship products? Because that is kind of a high-stress situation because when you go, these are going to be my year-round offerings, you're not deciding, am I going to do this one or that one? You're deciding, am I going to do this or any other possibility, any other combination of herbs and teas and spices that I could possibly do? How did you narrow it down to the ones that you're now offering? Yeah, it was, I don't know, I, the way you, you just made it sound was more stressful than what I kind of did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the way I did it was not that stressful. I just was like, oh, this is good. All right, let's do it. Um, I mean, there's more, yeah, there's obviously more to it. But honestly, what actually, the, what started with the tea products was actually the name of my first blend. It was, I was in the shower and all of a sudden the name Warriors Boost just came to my mind. And I was like, okay, tell me more universe or whoever just like came up with that idea. Like, tell me more. What, what is that? I got out of the shower and I just like wrote it down. I'm like, Warriors Boost. Okay. 
And then I sat down and I'm like, okay, well, what does that even mean to me? And then like yerba mate came right to mind, which if you're familiar, yerba mate is just extremely, it's extremely energizing. It's like a cup of coffee, tastes extremely different, but the energy that you get from it is very similar to a cup of coffee. And so I was like, okay, yerba mate. Now yerba mate can be a little bitter, a little, um, little too grassy. So I was like, what, what goes with that? And then I went through the process. I'm like, well, the grassiness might work well with like an, a citrus. So orange peel. I tried that. I'm like, delicious. Awesome. Added a little lemongrass to it for, for flavor. The way I've described lemongrass is if you're familiar with artwork and how artists add black or white to a piece, it really is like a little detail, but it makes the whole painting or the picture pop. That's what my opinion, like lemongrass does to tea. It's like, it's subtle and it really just ties and blends together the other herbs. So it acts like a little bridge for all the other herbs to, to work well. So unfortunately I have like a weird addiction to, to lemongrass, but so I like added a little bit of lemongrass to it. And then for the functionality piece, I did add a green tea because I was like, okay, you get the spike of caffeine from yerba mate. I want it to calm a little. And there's a compound called L-theanine in tea in green tea that I'm like, in the combination of that with yerba mate, I think the energy will be really good. Tried it, loved it. And then from there, I was like, okay, what's the exact opposite? And then so it was like energizing and calming. So then I came up with my Zen blend. And then from there, it was just like kind of thinking, I'm like, okay, I got these two flavors. So Zen blend's like very floral, very, it's lavender and chamomile. The yerba mate is like a citrus type green vegetal tea. Then I was like, okay, Something kind of different is like a chai flavor. And what else do I super love? And then that was really it. I just did that for the five. I'm like, what do I, like, how do I work with tea? And how do I see, like, someone using or working with these teas every single day, like all five blends from morning to evening? You would have, like, you'd start your morning with, like, a warrior's boost. And you would go like mid-afternoon or then maybe like after your breakfast, you'd have like a chai cleanse. And then after your lunch, you get the mint medley for the focus. And then during your workout, you try the recover or you try your immunity. And then at night, you calm down with the Zen blend. That's kind of like what my process was. Like, how could I target every single activity of the day while also making it super delicious yeah. while, and with the functionality of these herbs? Yeah, tying things Tying things to occasions is a very effective yeah. product strategy. If you can become a part of somebody's routine that they go, when I when I wake up, that's why coffee is a great product inherently. Amazing. If yeah. you can become a part of their daily routine, many people, it's I wake up and it's a part of my morning process is brewing and drinking coffee. Yeah. I think it's evolving a bit from that as people come to appreciate it more, but there is inherently a, a daily ritual tied around coffee. And so the goal of coffee is just to capture that. Yeah. But this is where, like, we're five-hour energy. One of the greatest taglines in the history of products that two – or what is it? The 2, uh, the 2 p.m. feeling? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. That uh, basically they tie themselves to the 2 p.m. feeling. Yeah. And everybody knows what that is. It's that mid-afternoon. Mm -hmm. Now, you could argue it's probably just part of the natural circadian rhythm. Uh, <laughs> but they looked and go, okay – Everybody gets a little kind of groggy around 2 p.m. And they literally tied themselves to take this before 2 p.m. every day and you won't get that 2 p.m. feeling. 
five-hour energy. We're going to carry you through that 2 p.m. feeling. They tied themselves to a time of day that I don't think any other product had really done. Even energy drinks or coffee, you didn't see anyone identify this thing that everybody kind of collectively experiences. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to tie yourself to different occasions and to be able to even something small but effective like someone that is – a uh, crossfitter or a weightlifter or is, works out a lot is probably using creatine if they do it enough and consistently enough that they don't want to reach plateaus. Yeah. So if you can go to that person, guess what? This tea enhances the effects of the creatine that you're doing in a natural way. Mm. Then they go, oh, anytime I'm having my post-workout shake with creatine, I should also be drinking this after to get the full effects. For that specific person that's looking at these things, that's extremely effective. Yeah, yeah. How have you gone about in your few months? Like, what was your launch strategy? Oh, also, I want to mention, I think one thing I think you just naturally kind of did as you were thinking about your products mm-hmm. is very little product overlap. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I think is really key is that there's not overlap between however many you have. I think some people go, this is my product. Here's my 20 flavors. Yeah. And you're like, that's, well, these three are kind of similar. These four are kind of similar, you know, slight variations on other ones. And then you're going to retailers and they go, well, which ones are your core items? Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, they're all great. You decide. Yeah. As opposed to saying, well, here's the thinking behind these five is yeah. there are different occasions that these herbs and teas are really effective for from a functionality standpoint. And I've worked to source great teas and ingredients so that they also taste great. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So going to market, well, first of all, I yeah, so so this is yeah, I know. No Sorry, <laughs> there's no cheers for this no, one. No. This is the immunity. So I did add a little bit of honey to this one, which you'll you'll taste the sweetness. But it's hibiscus, ginger, lemon peel, elderberry, and astragalus root that I was kind of mentioning with the creatine stuff. Um, I call it immunity. I'm actually already in the process of rebranding the name of it. But um, basically, the the thought process of this was more of a recovery type beverage. So the hibiscus, lemon peel, and ginger, those are just super nutrient dense when it comes to the the herbs as well as the hibiscus. I mean, as well as, again, the flavors. Hibiscus brings this uh, red, beautiful red color, and the tartness is balanced out between those three. Um, The elderberry, which became super popular uh, when COVID struck, and it's because the high flavonoid content, really. Uh, when when you when people talk about like the antioxidant potential of blueberries, it really has to boil down to the flavonoids that are present in blueberries. And elderberry actually has like 10x that of blueberries. So becomes it's it's super popular um, now as like syrups. People take elderberry syrup. I think it's more delicious as a tea. And the the flavor of elderberry is all right, but now balanced out with these other herbs to me it's it's perfect and then astragalus you probably wouldn't taste the actual astragalus root in this it's a very earthy type tea, type tea but it doesn't really come through it gets covered up and again it wasn't it's not meant to come through yeah the flavor the flavor is more supposed to just kind of sit in the background maybe someone with an extremely um educated palate to astragalus would know but um, yeah, it's there for the functionality. It's what's called an adaptogen, which we could dig into for another hour plus about adaptogens. Um, but basically it causes these little tiny hormetic stressors in the body. Are you familiar with hormesis? Is that 
anything similar to like bitter greens. Yes. Yeah, that process where your body kind of almost has what would read as a negative reaction. So things like kale being a really bitter green, you get that reaction when you eat them. But your body, by fighting it, it actually ends up becoming a net positive. Exactly. Yeah, it's the same way like when we lift weights, we're actually causing micro tears in in our muscles. It's the same way when we go into the sauna, the ice baths, same exact thing. This just does it on a chemical level due to the high polysaccharide content within the astragalus root. It is like a little poison to our body. So it creates an immune response. And when you drink this every single day, creating this tiny little immune response that you're not actually feeling sick ever. But when you do this, it builds up a strong immune system so that when you do get sick or when you do get an an invader of any kind, your immune system is more bolstered and ready to actually take it up. So that's the that was the thought process behind this blend. And like I said, I add I've now been cold brewing this one because it's summer and two because it's significantly better cold than hot, in my opinion. And I also have been adding honey to it and people like, yeah, they, they flock to it, yeah, especially really after, good. <laughs> especially after after workouts. And like even I mean, for me, it's my like during workout drink. But after workouts, um, especially after like sauna sessions, like jujitsu, guys are just yeah all over this stuff. So you pick your core products, you get the packaging decided, mm-hmm. and you say, okay, I officially have a product I'm launching. What are your first steps when you decide, I'm launching, <laughs> I'm now a business, I have yeah. products, I'm now selling. You open the proverbial doors. What What is your kind of first move to go out and sell the product? Yeah, th- th- there was such a there was such a period of time where I'm like, okay, what do I do to launch? Like, like you, I'm like, this is a should be like a moment, like a like a monumental day, right? Like uh, uh, something. I don't know. So I, I actually was invited. Um, my brother, he's in Chicago, and he's involved with the community, obviously in Chicago, and. I was invited to um, to an event. So there's a there's a festival called Serenity Base, and it's mostly in the Chicagoland area. And my brother helped co-found this event, and they took a few years off due to COVID. And in March, on March 13th, they were doing a random pop up, and they're like, and just him or my brother and the other co-founder were like. Why not use this? Just use this as your as your launching pad and just learn. And so I did. I mean, I was stressed out because <laughs> I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, the good thing was I, I was. That doesn't really ever go away. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I've, I've realized that because now I've done more pop-up events and, yeah, I'm still stressed, just as stressed about them. Um, and the good thing was I was surrounded by, I have a buddy, he launched a kombucha company in uh in Chicago, he was there like doing his thing. My brother was there presenting his artwork as well as his movement classes. So I was, I knew it was a great place to do this because if I fail, I had these people around me that could like help me out when I needed, when I needed it. But it ended up being an amazing event. Like just, I made a lot more money than I thought I was going to make. Um, and I was just like, okay, this is super cool. Cause it gave me just the time to realize what people like. And again, just do more market research. Cause that's really anytime I'm interacting with someone, it's constantly, I'm trying to evaluate and just back of the mind. Like, is this, does this fit the same narrative that other people have told me? Yeah. And if not, why? Like, like you said, going back to like, what are they thinking? What do I not know from this person? Um, so that was like the official launch. And 
a week after then I launched the, uh, like I was actually able to accept orders online and have been doing that since. And then we talked, I mean, I have, there's a lot more things that I'm making tweaks and adjustments to after our conversation. Um, but I've just realized like the, the best thing that I can possibly do right now is just going out and doing, being in front of people with my product. That's really the best thing I can do. And just going into Minneapolis and introducing myself like, Hey, I'm here. This is what I have. If I can be of service anywhere. Awesome. If not cool, then then that's great. And if, and also I'm always the first person to say, I only have my five products. If I don't have a T that's not yours, probably like, probably I don't have every, everybody's tea. I'm like, I could at least direct you. Like, I just want to be a source for people with tea information or tea questions to come to me. And then either a, I can help you answer that question, provide you a tea, pass you on to someone else, something like that. And for me, it's just really been the showing up and just doing that, just constantly like having tea. I, I literally have like a travel tea pack at this point where I constantly have my cold brews, constantly have like samples like ready to go just because I don't know who I'm going to run into yeah. when I'm around. And it would be a damn shame if I'm there and there's this someone who would be a perfect person to work with. And I mean, yeah, stuff like that. But yeah, I don't know if that really answered your question. It's a grind, grind, but yeah, I I think that moment you're talking about everybody pictures in their head of, of, oh, if I started a business that launch day, it would be a go. And you're like, no. (laughs) <laughs> it's. I, I've said this on here before multiple times, but one of my favorite concepts is the flywheel concept, if you've ever heard of it before. So the flywheel concept is all about, if you can picture a flywheel, it's that device that's really hard to get turning mm. right away. And then mm-hmm. as it starts to gain momentum, each successive turn becomes easier and easier. And if you think about business that way, I think a lot of people picture open up the doors and bam, the customers are there. And it's gonna, the hardest part is just going to be keeping up with demand. And you the reason I think that exists is because the examples you hear about are that. Yeah. The examples that are covered in the news, the examples you read about, it's usually people that are extraordinary stories. Yeah. Whereas in reality, the broad majority of business that start is just it's trying just- to get this thing to turn once, whether that's your first customer and then it's your second customer. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, I figured out a better way to sell online. Oh, I figured out a better way to sell to cafes and restaurants. And the, what you notice over time is that it starts to turn easier. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully you do get to the point that it's almost spinning itself. And then yeah. you're like, oh, my God, this thing's spinning. I need to figure out a way to make sure it doesn't spin out of control before I get it going faster again. Yeah. And that is why I was like just seeing you. Walking with samples, I, I think a lot of people, when that doesn't happen, they get very disheartened. When you go, most of making things work, uh, work is just the grit of yeah. it. And it's not a sexy answer, especially when you're launching a coffee or tea company. You're like, I hate to break it to you. You're, you don't have a revolutionary idea. I don't have a revolutionary idea. Mm-hmm. But what you have is an insane passion for it. You've clearly garnered a lot of knowledge for it. And then the thing after that is you go, a lot of hard work. And a lot of luck, too. But you're doing the things that you're going to find yourself in lucky situations. You're going, oh, I was so lucky I had these samples with me that when I happened to run into this person so that as we're talking, I go, by the way, here you go. Even just as simple as brood samples, because I see it all the time with coffee, and I'm sure it's the same with tea, that you have samples with you, and you go, here's a bag for you to go try at home. It's 
probably it's, it's never going to be that. made. Yeah. But to be able to sit there right there and they go, oh, gosh, that is really good. How did you make this again? And then because to if you were to give me a bag of this tea, the, the chai cleanse and say, yeah, yeah, all you need to do is mm-hmm. you bring it to a boil and then you let it simmer for a half hour. I go, Already too. sure, thanks. Yeah. I'll go try it. And then it'll sit up there and I go, someday I'll try that when I have the time. But yeah. to taste it and go, oh, it'll taste like this if I do it like that. And then I go, okay, I can see why you put in the time for it versus I'm not going to invest a half hour into something I haven't tasted. Right. And then at the end of it, I'm like, it's not even good. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. It's, uh, it's, I've luckily, and, and I'm realizing the more and more I bring this to people, people just, they want me, they're like, I want you to do it. Like you just Give me what you already made. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so this is already like going through my mind of, I kind of see the path now of where I'm heading towards and I'm okay with that. It's, it's fun anyway. But yeah, I have had a few people that they've come up to me and they like tell me they're like, okay, this is what I'm looking for. And luckily I do have like samples and I'm like, okay, I think this is and like specifically with the chai. I was like, here, sample this, try it. If you like this, I'll explain exactly how I made it. You can buy a bag and then you go do it. And luckily, I so I did. I told him. And that one I actually did a cold brew process with and he liked it. And I'm like, great. This is exactly what I did. He came back to me like two days later. He's like, tried it. He's like, spot on. He's yeah. like, so glad that you explained that. I'm like, yeah, like I appreciate it. And I appreciate you actually following up and doing yeah. it because like you said, it's it's really challenging to get people to do something, especially if they don't, if they don't know, they don't yeah. know the value of, of doing it. And you start to pick up on themes. Cause I, you know, I, I had this utopian vision that I'm going to launch this. It's going to make people realize how good coffee can be. Then everybody's going to go out and get an espresso machine for home. They're going to mm-hmm. get a Chemex. They're going to get a pour over. They're going to have eight different brewing devices and they're going to fall in love with coffee. Just like I did. When in reality, most people go, Oh, this is good. I'll use it on the same coffee brewer I use. And I, that, at first, I was like, that's not the point. But mm-hmm. then I go, well, if they're using the same method, but it's still way better coffee, it's going to be a way better experience for them. Yeah. And that customer is no more valuable, no less valuable than any other customer if they're having an enjoyable experience. So it's like all these little puzzle pieces, except you don't have that box in front of you to know what puzzle you're building. <laughs> yeah. So it's like you have this weird outline that like a great product is a good chunk of that puzzle. You also don't know how many pieces it is. Yeah. So you're like, yeah. oh, I think I figured out this whole puzzle. And you go, oh, actually, that's just one square of this 20 square puzzle that you're still working on. Right. But you start to kind of connect things together and then all of a sudden you find that these things that didn't seem connected at all all of a sudden are very much connected so something as simple as people go i like it when it's ready made and this brings a whole new set of challenges can Mm -hmm. i pursue this is this something it's a whole new set of licensing is the demand there that if i did this how do i sell it where do i sell it but if enough people bring it up you go there's something there that's a whole puzzle i didn't even picture when i'm creating these five products yeah Yeah, it's so i mean and Honestly, it's like the reason I did the, the bags of tea, it's, it's pretty easy. Like yeah. anybody today could really go out there and start packaging loose leaf tea. Now, it might not taste good if you don't know anything about tea. Like uh, obviously there's there's that expertise. Like it, I mean, we went through exactly like my thought process of making this. But anybody could really do that. It's like you said, now that I'm I'm starting to pick up this vibe of, okay, people want this ready to drink stuff. And it, it's scary because I'm, I, I know nothing. I know nothing about that process except for like when I do it for myself and bring in the samples. So I'm like, okay, cool. I, this is a good that I'm afraid because this means potentially new opportunities. Yeah. Like just at least, it at least means that I'm going to learn something. Even something you could look at RTD. So, so it's, it, it's always, 
you know, the customer is always right. The, the thing. Yeah. But sometimes a customer says something and you go, okay, well, I like it when it's, when you make it, are they saying, I want you to make it? Or is it really, this seems hard. Mm-hmm. I want you to make it. And you go, well, is there a way for me to make it easier for them to make it home? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, cold brewing and tea is something I've heard of, never really thought of it at length. Haven't done it myself. Yeah. But if I'm just picturing what cold brewing tea is, if it's similar to what cold brewing coffee is, is that it's a longer extraction period, probably milder flavors, probably a bit sweeter. There's going to be almost no astringency because there isn't heat applied to it. And I go, well, this seems like a very simple process that somebody can't mess up. Whereas with hot tea, if this goes over four minutes, it's going to be brutal. And I've done a tea before, overbrewed it, and I go, this is horrifying. Yeah. I can't believe – because I went to one co- uh, coffee conference, and, like, at the end of the show, everybody's got all the extra product, and someone, mm-hmm. like, gave me this insane lot of, like, eight different teas. Yeah. And that was, like, my, my whole exposure to really good tea, except it, I messed it up eight times before <laughs> I finally – and then I was, like, down to the last little bit, and that last little bit, I was like, this is incredible. Yeah. But I'm probably not going to buy it again. Yeah. And I got it for free. No offense. Uh, but something like cold brewing, you go, yeah. use this vessel, put it in the fridge. It'll be ready for you tomorrow. You exactly. can make it in large batches. You can make your whole week of tea. That's why cold brew is becoming much more popular at home. So popular. And you can buy it at a cafe for 5 or $6, or I can make a week's worth with a single bag of coffee. So it's, that's like a, a great example. Of, I look at something and go, okay. Mm-hmm. They say, I, I like this. You When you make it, you go, okay. Are you saying you want me to make it and sell it that way? That's a lot of challenges. RTD, RTD products yeah, are, there's a whole set of logistical problems. And I know that because of Filtera cold brewed coffees that yeah. we sell kegged cold brew, which is insanely simple, but still it was a whole different mm-hmm. ball game from getting approved as a dry shelf stable product. But if you can teach customers or provide or be able to even potentially sell a device, something or partner with somebody that this is a cold brewing device, have it on your site that you go, that is a routine that people could very easily get into. Yes. So you can see how I ramble that I get excited about these things. That it, it used to really bother me when somebody's like, well, I don't like your begged product. If you did this, I'd be interested. And you go, ah, oh, man, did I mess up by doing this? You go, no, there's still this, you know, begged, online, nationwide shipping, immediately mm-hmm. an option. Mm-hmm. You can get across the country if you start to find great ways to do that. And uh but I'm going to stop myself before I keep going down this rabbit hole. But that's the yeah. exciting but also stressful thing is you have to decide what's worth the time, what's yes. what's the feedback I'm getting. And I'm saying from my personal experience, I'm not telling you. I'm saying the constant feedback you're getting, what are the things within it that are worth the time and effort to change what you're doing? Mm-hmm. And what of it is just someone that just wanted to tell you something <laughs> yeah because yeah. you get a lot of that too especially uh, when you're sampling yeah yeah definitely it's uh i don't know to me it's never i, I don't maybe this is a, a wrong th- mindset but I, i'm not having like a mindset of like completely changing like i said uh, names and stuff i'm open to changing names um of, of some of my products but like it's just like okay in addition to because I, the the loose leaf packaging i'm i'm not gonna get be getting yeah. rid of loose yeah. leaf like this is this is what tea is and I don't want to take away from the tradition of tea and like this is why I chose I mean there's countless reasons go on the website of why I choose loose leaf it's more economical it's better for the environment it's the traditional like way going back to how tea was uh, traditionally consumed so I'm not gonna do that but like you said I just love it's like okay this is the fun part yeah where how do I adapt like what's this next pivot point like where where do I go from there like is it doing that is it the 
the uh, actually ready to drink type type thing, or is it the something else that I don't even know? And there, there's the really stressful time after launching that you go, "Is this is good? This, yeah, I think it's good. <laughs> yeah." But like, is it good? Mm-hmm. And that takes it took a long time for me. Quite frankly, it didn't really disappear for me until Jeff took over the coffee program, and I realized that a lot of my stress was tied to every new coffee that I selected. Of like, will people like this one in the rotation? Will this batch be as good as the yeah. last coffee lot that we sourced? And then now he just has to deal with that stress, which I'm cool with because that's his job. Yep. But. <laughs> There's that period when you launch, you're like, is this good? Do other, will other people think this tastes good? Or has my palate gotten better for tea? So now I'm like, no, this is really good. And people are like, oh, this pales in comparison to Lipton. You ever had a bottle of Lipton? That's the good stuff. Whoever says that, just never, never make eye contact with me. Never talk to me. Never, (laughs) never be in my presence. (laughs) I need a restraining order immediately. If someone says that, but then you go, what do you like about it? Yeah. If they go, I like sweetness, I like this part of it, I like that. And you go, oh, okay. So you're starting to, and a lot of the time you'll be like, you're clearly not my customer. Yes. I have customers that have tasted our coffee and they go, it has too much flavor for me. And I go, yeah. you know what? You might want to go with a good French roast. We don't do that, but here's yeah. some great, here's some companies that do. Yeah. You know, I'm not being like, you're stupid for not liking this. <laughs> I'm going we're not the coffee oh, yeah. for you and we never will be. It's just a, yeah. a totally different thing. You can't win over every customer, mm-hmm. but having that line drawn in the sand of no, we're always going to do loose leaf tea. This is how we're going to do it. This is what we're going to focus on. As long as you have that kind of mission drawn out that you're not, that you don't have kind of negotiables on that front, then everything else can kind of be flexible. Yeah. What you don't want to do is exactly like you said. You get feedback and you go, I'm going to change it entirely to this person's feedback. And then all of a sudden oh, someone same. else and you're constantly, the people don't even know what you are after a period of time. Yeah, no, exactly. It's a, uh, yeah. I mean, I have my foundation. I think I feel very confident in my foundation at this point. And now it's just building up from there and adapting to whatever that is. And I'm, just, I'm learning so every single day, like and new opportunities come up. There's constantly something just new. That's always exciting and um, scary. And if, and I've just come to realize I'm like, if it's not scary, I'm probably not growing. I'm not doing the right thing. So if I'm not scared of like something I'm doing at least every day, if not every week, then something's not right at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a very good way to do it. And then over time, your, your ability to handle fear, stress and anxiety because people go, oh, you just must, like, are you more stressed? Are you less stressed? I go, it's kind of the same level, but also the amount of stress mm-hmm. that is being presented to me would have buckled me, uh, like, four years ago. Yeah. And over time, you just learn to adapt with that. And that's kind of like you said, oh, if this thing doesn't work, I'll have gotten an MBA. Well, there's one thing that uh, business school can never teach you is, like, having to deal with that constant thing in your mind that is, like, Am I doing the right things? Did I price this correctly? What margin should I be working at? And then yeah. do people like my product? And, oh, I got a bad review. On this Is it actually bad? Is it this one person? And it's just like this constant, like, balancing act of it where over time you just kind of build up this shield to it that you're just going, this is just how things are. Yep. It is constant stress. It doesn't change, but my ability to deal with it radically changes. Mm-hmm. Um, great tease, man. I, I was it. really 
really impressed with everything across the board. Thank you. I think you're doing the right things. Again, this is coming from me. Five years in, I'm not sure I'm doing the right <laughs> things. So I'm not sitting uh, at a higher place than you and or lower place or whatever at any stretch of the imagination. But I was really excited to meet you. And it was wild how many parallels we had in our story, which was I was like, like to a T, there were so many things I go, this is a little weird how similar <laughs> it is, but just like the T like a weird parallel universe thing going on there. But it kind of speaks to like the entrepreneurial journey is similar in many ways. And a lot of people have similar experiences, which is why I love doing this podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. And I, I would have known I would have shaved the, to just the mustache oh. just to really even have more similarities. I like to, I like parallels. to change my face <laughs> like every three or four months. No, I, I rocked. I once rocked the mustache for a full four years while I was selling beer. And that uh, makes sense. it just, you know, decided to bring it back. And then unfortunately it timed up with Top Gun. So everyone's like, oh, I'm Top Gun. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not doing this because it's cool. I'm doing it because, because yeah. it's my strongest physical quality probably that I have is my mustache. So I have to let it fly every once in a while. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. But no, I appreciate it, man. And I mean, everything that you've so far, every every conversation that we've had, I go back and I like take notes and I'm like, okay, I want to act on something a little bit. So I appreciate you kind of, I the, the day we met was, I could sense the excitement kind of in your voice, like, and just like when you were asking, you were asking more questions than anyone else I talked to. So I was like, I feel like this guy is going to be a good one yeah. to, to keep in the back pocket. Maybe. I don't know what. I don't know what this means. But, like, so I'm just. The Twin Cities community is just like that, yeah. man. It's like you do meet people. They meet them. And you go, oh, okay, our meeting is for you to tell me how to do everything. Yeah. And without any sort of preface as to this might not work. But just be like, this is how things are done. This is how it worked for me. And then you meet people that are just open and honest. And those are the people that I've learned from the most. Mm-hmm. And so I, if I've learned one thing, that's just like, that's exactly who I want to be in business. It's who I want to be in life. That it's just like, we all don't really know what we're doing, mm-hmm. but we're all finding really cool, weird ways to do it. And if we can all create this collective knowledge of how, different ways to do things, how to do things, what works. And in a lot of cases, most importantly, like what really doesn't work, like <laughs> yeah. don't do this. That's yeah. helped me a lot. Unfortunately, <laughs> I've experienced some of it first person. Mm-hmm. I was like, don't do this. Like that stuff can be really helpful. But uh, I will end it like I do every episode uh, and say have a... Nice day.